Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? Uh, finally sitting here with Valerie. Hi, Val. Hi. She said she doesn't know what to say, so we just say hi. Hi. <laughs> I love it. Say hi, Brody. <laughs> okay, that, that, that was Valerie. Uh, anyway, it's Tuesday again. This week went fast for me, which means we have a new episode coming out, which I'm super stoked about. This is uh, Bassem Youssef, who is, uh, I wonder if he wants to get away from this title, but it sure does help kind of summarize his career to a certain extent. He is the John Stewart of Egypt, and uh, he's currently the star of a documentary that explains that role and that process, which we also discuss uh, in this uh, episode in a way that you don't have to have seen the movie. But it is a great movie, and I want to uh, plug it here. They're not a sponsor, but I just want to say, Tickling Giants. Very good movie, very interesting, kind of opened me up to a whole uh, part of the world. Obviously, I'm not too familiar with Cairo's politics, and even less so Cairo's uh, um, you know, show business and television and all that sort of, and comedy. Very, very interesting stuff. Of course, we get into that. Muchos, muchos in this episode. I do want to say, this is new, I keep forgetting to mention that Faces and Sounds, my uh, new comedy album, is out now on iTunes. Of course, this was released on HBO as a special, but the album, which I joked I should have just called uh, And Sounds, (laughs) is on iTunes now. (laughs) I love comedy albums. It always means a lot that people are fans of the records. There's something about it. It's a hot medium. You're, you're, in, you're engaging with it, you got it on in the car, you got it in your earbuds or whatever it is, and you're kind of remembering or even imagining what the performer is doing. So it doesn't actually uh, retract from the enjoyment for me. I actually enjoy it more. Case in point, Steve Martin's records I enjoy even more than the videos that I found of him doing stand-up. So uh, if you are looking for a new comedy record, it's on iTunes, it's on all sorts of places that you can get digital downloads. Faces and Sounds is my new hour of stand-up comedy. I sincerely hope you enjoy it. Also want you guys uh, watching Crashing, which is on HBO, HBO Go, HBO Now, regular HBO. Every t-shirt, mug, pillow, and sticker that we've ever had, including the one we came up with, Damsels Do It, They're Damn Selves. Yep. That's yeah, a, they do. Yeah, they, that's a classic. And uh, numerous, numerous other gags and, and goofs <laughs> from this podcast. You can go to store.petehomes.com and show your weirdo pride with a t-shirt or whatever you like from there. Uh, we have a new sponsor for this episode, which I'm excited about because it is the cult classic TV comedy Dr. Katz, The Audio Files, meaning Dr. Katz is back as an audio series. I was actually a guest on this, which is super exciting and a dream come true. I was always a fan of the Dr. Katz show, and as Ray Romano actually said, it's like being on Letterman. It really is. It's kind of like a rite of passage. I was thrilled to talk to him. So check it out. You can check it as a, a free premium podcast at audible.com slash Dr. Katz, K-A-T-Z. They join uh, Dr. Katz sits down with 15 of comedy's biggest stars. Ooh, I'm honored. <laughs> as they bear their souls on the couch with Hollywood's favorite shrink, Jonathan Katz, for 15 minutes. They got like Sarah Silverman, Ted Danson, Ray Romano, as I mentioned, Weird Al, Kristen Shaw, Maria Banford, Paul F. Tompkins, John Hamm, and I'm, I'm listed as the end more. Uh, that makes me happy. 
great. <laughs> this ad just becomes me being pissed that I'm not top billing. Don't worry, guys. Sarah Silverman, Ted Danson, and more. That's me. I love Dr. Katz. I love this show. Check out Weird Al. It's out there now. I'm going to be listed probably as some sort of DVD extra down the line. But Dr. Katz, the audio file, exclusively now at audible.com slash Dr. Katz. That's D-R-K-A-T-Z. I love getting bitter during an ad. It gives me an attitude to play. Mm, that's I like know. Beyonce likes to get mad before a performance. I feel like Beyonce in most things that I do. Yeah, me too. Our other sponsor, thank you so much, is Zip Recruiter. Are you hiring? I'm asking. Seriously, are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Do you? <laughs> Finding great talent can be tough. Uh, it can also be tough being listed on the Dr. Kant's ad. <laughs> Thankfully, with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Who has time for two clicks? One click, 100 job sites, ZipRecruiter. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches you. Uh, sorry, matches rather them. This is a them service. Matches the right people to your job. You got a job. They got the people. It's better than anybody else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. It's like a robotic dog with your job strapped to its back. It goes through the Appalachian Trail looking for people that want employment that have been snowed under. A little barrel of brandy on the collar. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. That's right, fools. If you're looking for a job, act fast. <laughs> no juggling emails or calls to your office. You just screen, rate, and manage your candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's right. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Holmes, and you can try it for free and show your support of this podcast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Holmes. Uh, it says one more time. Really? One more time. <laughs> <laughs> one more time for the cheap seats in the back. For the cheap seats in the back. Go to ZipRecruiter. You heard me say this, but seriously, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Holmes. It's written by a carny. This copy was written by a carny. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, fellow with a pretty date, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Holmes. <laughs> they, got a, they got a bonus one there because I was teasing the copy. Uh, our thanks to Dr. Katz and ZipRecruiter. Again, I am in the deep archives of the Dr. Katz <laughs> series, so be sure to check that out after you've listened to the premium guests. <laughs> and I do want to mention Matu Pete's Picks. These are, these are the same, but I love them, and these are products that have personally affected my life. And wouldn't you say your life, Valerie? Yes, definitely. If not just because I hear you talk about it all the time. You do hear me talk. Oh, my God. That's how it's changed your life. <laughs> yeah. But you love Charlotte's Web. I love Charlotte's Web. You love Charlotte's Web. Charlotte's Web is a hemp oil, which means it's made from the hemp plant, but it is not psychoactive. It doesn't get you stoned. It's completely legal in all 50 states. Uh, in fact, I was flying with it, and the, and the TSA took it out, and I just explained what a wonderful product it was to the, uh, the lovely TSA agent. And I think we got a new customer there. So it is completely legal, even though it's... Uh, made from a plant that can be made into something illegal or smoked as something illegal. It doesn't get you stoned. It just has a wonderful, calming... This is for me. This is anecdotal, not supported by the FDA uh, necessarily. There are some things that it does that are supported by the FDA, though. It stops seizures which for a small girl named Charlotte, which is why it's called Charlotte's Web. It was included in a documentary called Weed. 
uh, where it talks, it extols the virtues of this product. But for me personally, I love taking it when I'm flying. It helps me get through a flight with a little bit of a cooler, calmer, happier, glowier, uh, edge-free existence. It also just kind of, I use it as a mood enhancer. On set, I often say, please pass me my happy juice. And I take it, especially if it be silly or light in a scene. I literally just take the advanced which is the, uh, the strongest kind, I suppose. Uh, I just put a couple drops on my hand. I lick it off. Mint chocolate. Tastes like a thin mint. Works even better than a thin mint. Makes me feel really good. And I'm so happy. People are coming up to me all the time telling me what a game changer and a life changer this product is for them. Back pain, neck pain, sleeping better, anxiety, whatever it may be. I love uh, Charlie's Web. I love CBD. That's what it is. I was all, when The first time I had anything... THC. I was like, I wish there was something like this, kind of like this, in the ballpark, but that I could read a book, hold a conversation, or follow the plot of Mr. Belvedere. It is not a narcotic. It's a wonderful, uh, delightful, happy juice, as I call it. And if you want 10% off, uh, all you got to do is go to CW, like Charlotte's Web, CWHemp.com slash weird. Use promo code you made it weird for 10% off. ZipRecruiter.com slash homes. <laughs> oh, I'm, uh, it's not You Made It Weird. It's, it's Keep It Crispy. Okay. I fucked up. I thought, I thought I saw CWHemp.com slash weird promo code Keep It Crispy. People were leaking the other one, apparently. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah promo codes get leaked. People go and gather them, and I don't know what they do with them. Yeah. The, uh, the other Pete's pick is Alpha Brain. Alpha Brain. It's my oh, favorite right. supplement uh, alongside Charlotte's Web which I take every single day, completely true. It is a nootropic, which means it's like a vitamin for your brain. I like to think of my ideas as little fishies swimming around my noggin, and Alpha Brain is like the fish food I sprinkle on top, and they, they gobble it up, boys. <laughs> they gobble it up. I, I'm serious. I can really feel a difference. It's not like coffee or a stimulant that like perks you up. It's not like an energy thing. In fact, I take it before bed often because it gives me tripped-out dreams, and I love that. Uh, it's just something that I take when I need to focus, when I need to use my... Memory, concentration, and uh, vocabulary recall, which is the part I always struggle to say. But that has nothing to do with the efficacy of Alpha Brain. See, I found efficacy. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good word. That was a really good one. Uh, it really does make uh, communicating, writing, creating a lot easier for me. I always have a couple in my pocket. I always have them in my book bag. Take it every single day before every podcast I've ever done for the past three years. Did you just say book bag? Book bag. Oh, my God. And then I also, <laughs> uh, every podcast for the past three years, every script, I take it on set constantly. I can feel a certain lag when it's not in me anymore, and I take it, and I love getting it in me. And everybody I tell, my writers, other actors, other producers on Crashing are all, uh, I don't want to say hooked, because it's not the sort of thing that you jones for, but you, you notice the difference in a palpable way, uh, and I want you to try it, if that, if that does it for you. Alpha brain. Get it in you. I like that. <laughs> Alpha brain. Get this in, yep, you said it better. <laughs> Get it in you. All you got to do is go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and boom, automatically, 10% off uh, your, your purchase. Oh, man. These are getting so long. <laughs> well, let's see where we're at. We want to be, oops, we want to be under 10, <laughs> and we are at 11.21. Oh, my gosh. Woo! They used to be like three minutes. Well, yeah, we didn't have Pete's picks, and now I have things to tell people. I know. Valerie. <laughs> I support you. How dare you? <laughs> uh, well, if this wasn't too long for you, <laughs> let's listen to uh, Basim Youssef talk to one of the lower tier guests on the Dr. Katz Audible <laughs> series, a comedian, an up-and-comer, 
named Pete am I, Holmes. I think I'm getting that right. H-O-L-M-E-S? You think you say the L? I don't know. I've never heard it said. Holmes. Holmes. And you can also listen to his album, Faces and Sounds. It's on iTunes now. Anyway, enjoy Boston Youssef. Uh, why don't you go ahead and, Val? Get into it! Mm-hmm. Get into it. Oh, he's a bastard. You're not, you're, not, you're not pure breed, are you? Huh? No, he's not. Why is it okay to be racist to dogs? I don't understand. <laughs> well, everybody turns well into... everybody is racist towards me, so I have to vent that somewhere. <laughs> I have to take it to dogs. I guess it's not... It's, it's because everything else is, is politically incorrect. So it, That's true. <laughs> are you feeling particularly censored uh, now in the States? Is it worse? That's yeah. kind of an interesting... That's like a big question to ask right up top. Yes. I'm not getting anything in the can. Does that, am I supposed to be? Yes. Oh, because yeah. <clears throat> oh, of Brody. Oh, we don't even have to jump in there. How are you? What are you doing in New York? Uh, well, um, I I had uh, a performance at the Med Brewer. Oh, I wish I had known. Yeah. What were you doing? It's a one-man show. Uh, it's not like a special or a stand-up comedy. It's basically, it's more of a storytelling. Uh, I, I tell the story of the Arab Spring. The Arab through, Spring? Yeah, through media. So when people uh, speak about the Arab Spring, they speak about coup, revolution, whatever, but nobody actually discusses what happens in the media. Uh-huh. So I bring samples of our media. It's, it's subtitled, of course. Yes. And I show people what we see in our televisions. That, a- yes. And how we, I, as a political satirist, had a show, a political satire show, reacted to that. Mm-hmm. And how that plays into the whole dynamics of regimes, authority, everything. So... Uh, and and I think people uh, live with the sense of, oh, our media is not that bad. <laughs> Maybe Fox News is fair and balanced. <laughs> it's it's more uh, fair and balanced. I, you know, I watched your film. It's called Tickling Giants. It's out now. It's wonderful. It's an amazing story. You're an, uh, clearly an amazing person. And I'm honored to have you on. Oh, I'm honored to be with you. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm honored. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter what I did. I don't, ha- I don't have a fucking HBO special. Uh, how, no, now you have to teach me how to say I don't like to be praised. Uh, oh, I, oh, uh, <laughs> That's what John Stewart said when he was on your show. <laughs> I don't like to be praised. I'm a humble man. I was like, that was, that was not bad. Yeah, That yeah. was not bad. And the thing is, like, what was funny about... You know why people were cracking up when he said that why? in Arabic? Because which like I don't like to be elevated. Uh-huh. It's a very literal translation. But it also means I don't, I don't like to be fingered or humped. <laughs> I don't like to be fingered uh, or, or, uh, or humped or whatever you say. <laughs> so it's or like yeah. So did he know that we told him? Oh, yeah, told we, him, we, okay. to, we told him the double meaning, and he liked it. And uh. so people were cracking up oh because that the people in the theater and did you see did you see how people like uh welcomed him in the theater yeah no, so, they so him. yeah john said like oh i, I would have never believed that like a short jewish guy will be greeted <laughs> with such love and adoration yeah. in the middle of cairo well i mean for people who haven't seen the movie you're basically you did the show Mm-hmm. Which was Egypt, or uh, should we say Cairo, or the whole of it? Yeah, yeah, it's Cairo, uh, but 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 like it was broadcasted everywhere and yeah. very, very, very popular. Yes. Thirty million viewers is it's incredible. You, yes, see, like you guys have this kind of old school, very like uh, I don't want to say backwards, but bad old ways. Like you kind of have the the regimes pushing you down, but you also have the old 
ratings. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have the it's like show Se- ratings. Like Seinfeld ratings. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I remember, I read somewhere, I don't know if it's true, <laughs> that Seinfeld pilot did so bad, it only did 10 million views. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's like mash numbers. Yeah. yeah. Mash. So, yeah, we, we have this because, but like you have to remember you have that. Mash numbers. Yeah, yeah the mash yeah. numbers. But you have, you have to remember that, like, even with our old standards, this was huge. Yeah. So if you translate this as points, yeah, the the highest rating point point uh, uh, show was um, Arab Got Talent and Arab The Voice. You know, we have yeah, the, yeah, all yeah. of these franchises. Yeah. And these were twelve points, which translates into uh, five six million people. Uh, we had when we came up, it was thirty four points. So. You know wow. that was like the, so. Even with our old standards, that was it. something huge yeah. because it, it's it's difficult to do these numbers here because everybody's doing it. Well, There's yeah. so many. Com- I'm interviewing you, but I'm also watching a show on my phone right now. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you have like streaming. You have it's too much. Everything. I mean, it's like much, I, yeah. I I I now have like the habit of just like adding stuff on my watch list on Netflix, mm-hmm. and I never get to watch them. Right. I know. Well, it's like having a job. People go like, "Have you seen Handmaid's Tale?" And it's like, "I haven't gotten to it." Yes, I feel bad. I'm it's, sorry. It's like I can't even add another streaming surf- service yeah. like as Hulu because I, I have Amazon, I have Netflix, <laughs> and I have cable, and and I have HBO, and I have Showtime, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and and it becomes your second job. And then at the end of that, we leave all of that and we just watch silly videos on Facebook. Yeah, well, that that is uh, globally true. I have to imagine is that like a cat or a gorilla splashing in a pool is still going to be better than whatever we work on. Yeah, we that. are. We are. We became a, a planet, a nation of ADHD. We just like we need like the the thirty seconds fix. I know. I actually think I, I've been looking at my phone. My girl is out of town. Valerie is out of town, and I've been looking at my phone more. And I think it does something tricky to your brain where you're just. Even if it's Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is, it, it, in, it institutes a policy in your brain where you're like, I want and I get. I want mm. and I get. I yeah. want yeah. and I get. I want and I get. And then regular life is so dull. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you and I are doing something very old school. I know we're recording. We, 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 we're, we're, we're speaking. We're talking. <laughs> it's very I weird. Mean, I mean, if it was not me, you, and whatever recording machine we have, I'm just going to be like looking at you with like half of my eye exactly. and looking at my phone with the other. And it's like, what did I miss? Yeah. Of I mean, is it, isn't it like fear of missing out? I guess it's a little yeah. bit of FOMO. Uh, FOMO, and yeah. And it's also... I FOMO, think, you see? I'm, I'm getting... Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, baby. Hey, you see? You see? I'm, I'm, I'm American already. You're always... Yeah, but uh, you're already uh, passing pretty good. Uh, I mean, yeah. I've seen you giving uh, your talks uh, and stuff. I'm, 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 I'm getting there. I'm what getting there. What is it there. like in... Uh, I, know, I know you don't live in Egypt anymore, but you were in Egypt for a very long time. Yeah, right? all, my, 40, all, all my life. All your life. 40, 40 years, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about it. What is it the same with phones? Is it the same oh, yeah. TV culture? Uh, I, I saw a lot of people would gather to watch your show yeah that was different that that was kind of like the, it was Super Bowl every Friday it was an event it was, yeah Super Bowl yeah it ah, was every like, like there, there, there were like huge like uh, coffee shops that would actually charge you minimum uh, a minimum charge to go in and, and get a chair and, and watch it on big screens and is it just because it's fun to watch a comedy with your no, friends it no it was not comedy that, because there there is still comedy in there it was something else it was Comedy against the oppressor, right. which was different. In Egypt, we have uh, one of the longest tradition of comedies in the world. As a matter of fact, we had 
one of the very first animation movies in in the, in movies really? theaters in 1920 something happened in Egypt. Steamboat uh, Willie on the uh, Nile. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, no, we we have like cinema. I mean, it's kind of like Egypt because it was like under the British mandate. Mm-hmm. We were like one or two years behind of whatever is happening in the world. So okay. we had so we had cinema, we had movies, we had uh, later on radio, television. Right, like bef- way before other Arab countries in, or in the Middle Eastern countries got their independence, mm-hmm. we were there, up there. We had comedy. We had we had the talkies. Right, like one year after it got it, it happened in America. Really? Okay, yeah. so you guys aren't messing around. You have yeah. entertainment. So we had comedy. But here's the thing about comedy in Egypt: under the military dictatorship that started in the fifties, the comedy were allowed, and it was very strong. I mean, we were the Hollywood of the Middle East. But it was a certain type of comedy that was allowed. Mm-hmm. We had theater. We had amazing theater, amazing comedies. But it was always social comedy. Uh-huh. Political comedy, subversive comedy was not allowed to be uh, to to exist. It couldn't have any teeth, really. You can't. No. When you yeah. say social comedy, you mean like a guy on a date, or, or yeah, uh, it, it, yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. like what you. It's like oh, romantic comedies. Yeah. Uh, what, what whatever you do to make fun of things. Yeah, but fluffy n- stuff. And even if you do make fun of whoever is up there, it just like always be insinuations. I but see. but when we came here, it is. The, pre- the picture of the president right next to me, right. and I'm making fun of him. Right, right, it's like right. George W. Bush picture next to John Stewart. Right. And that is something people never seen. Right. And it was a window. And it's not like people were gathered on my channel because I was the funniest person. There are dozens of people that are much funnier than I was. It was the the kind of comedy that we used, like the research, the what, how we just like went against whoever is in power. So right. people... And where did you get... First, are you hearing these pops and stuff? Does it sound okay to you? It sounds well. It sounds okay. Um, uh, where did you get the courage or the idea? Because you're like in this bubble, right, to us. We go, okay, they're in a bubble where you're not allowed to make fun of the regime. Mm-hmm. And you go, I'm going to. What, what? You said you weren't the funniest person in the world at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And you still seize the opportunity. How did it come to you? What was the idea? And where did you get the balls to do it? So, so I mean, it's very frightening. The, the thing, when you're watching a movie, one of the things that makes it so emotional is we care about you. Mm-hmm. We meet your family. Even if you didn't have a family, we'd still care about you. And we're like, this guy is doing exactly what they said not to do. And this is a place where they're rounding up journalists and throwing them in, like, it looks like mass jails and stuff. And I was like, fuck, this is way worse uh, than I even thought. So 2011, the revolution came. And this was people just like went and revolted against the the dictator at that time, Hosni Mubarak. And when he stepped down, suddenly there was a window of opportunity. Mm-hmm. It was like a huge uh, rock that was lifted off your chest and now everybody is speaking up. Mm-hmm. And there was an opportunity or at least the illusion of opportunity <laughs> that things has changed. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I did these YouTube videos from my home. And that, so you started after he stepped down. Yeah, I, I started after. So that was literally the opportunity. Yeah, okay. that, uh, that opportunity. So but like, there you were. I didn't have any like larger than usual balls or anything. That but was. You, but you were doing your craft already. You were already doing some YouTube stuff. No, I thought you were doing no B plus show. No, that no. was the B plus. That was the YouTube. That's how I started. I started. Okay, so you're you're a heart. Surgeon. I'm a heart surgeon. Okay, this just is, fixing this. people in like in like. <laughs> 
you like cutting people and sewing them up. And then what inspired me that like when I went to, when I was like part of the revolution and I was not like there to throw rocks or shout or anything. I was just there as like thousands of doctors who just volunteered to fix right. uh, people's wounds. Unfortunately, you need a lot of doctors in this situation. Of, of yeah. course, yeah. And then like I, I was in there and I saw what was happening and then I went back home and I saw the media just like twisting it, twisting it totally, making a totally uh, making up a totally different reality. These were operatives. These were people that were paid to be there. And it's like, no, that was not true. So when he stepped down, I said, like, you know, and, and I started to review on YouTube all of the shows that was recorded and and, and uploaded on YouTube. It's like, shit. Is that was ha- what was happening on television then? So I started to compile these videos mm. and do... It's very primitive and uh, uh, making fun of these... Uh, and a lot of people that were so involved in the revolution didn't really... weren't really aware that that was happening on television. Mm. So I brought it to them. It's like, ah, people started watching. I, I thought that like... I, I was... By the way, I was killing time. I was already mm. accepted in Cleveland. I was going there. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, right? Yeah, I was starting a, a fellowship as a, a pediatric heart surgeon in in Cleveland. Oh wow! And when that happened, uh, I, I said like, oh, you know what? It's just like my H one visas are get, taking too long. H one visa, something that many of our immigrant listeners will not gonna be li- having them again. Mm-hmm. You know, with yeah. all of the immigration yeah, stuff yeah, that's yeah. happening. So you bitches are not coming. So, anyways, <laughs> um, uh, I was uh, um, and and I thought like maybe I'll have like ten thousand views. Right, you know, and then the, my wildest dream will be after I go to my fellowship, I come back after a couple of years. Some producer will uh, discover these on YouTube, yeah, and then will h- hire so, me. But that's interesting to me is that you're cutting people open. You're yeah. already doing what is considered by a lot of people that's a dream job, I suppose. It, it it's very difficult. It's a it's, shitty job. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you think. I mean, it's not Grey's Anatomy, people. We're not running around with like hot chicks that we are like b- banging in elevators. No, we are. It's a lot of paperwork, insurance shit, yeah, and like um, and 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 just like the glorious moments of just like having the suture. Just like one percent of the job. Is that right? Yes. The rest of it's paperwork. Yes. It's like being a cop or something. It's exactly. Not, <laughs> it's not like shooting. Exactly. It's 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 like on TV. No, it's yeah. not MacGyver at all. It's, <laughs> It's like MacGyver doing the routine work of after he has. Like, I guess what I mean is it's it's uh, sexy. I guess it's powerful. Yeah, it's, you you hold people's lives res- in your hands. It's, it's respected. Respected. And your parents wanted you to do of that, of course. But where is? And this is not. I'm not a shock jock going like. Well, how do you get into comedy? <laughs> Tell me when you started loving comedy as a kid. I mean, you're you're oh, going to Cleveland. Who doesn't love comedy? I mean, I mean, but a like, lot of but people. like, but like, half, oh, oh, these are. Like you never met my aunt. Oh my god, <laughs> depressing. <laughs> no, I I came. I the, here's the thing. Like I, I I I used to come and visit America a lot. Mm-hmm. And when I came, and I I I, I I I was a TV addict, so I would watch the shows. Mm-hmm. So of course there were friends, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then I as my English improved, I un- started to understand Frasier and Seinfeld, and I understand oh, what is funny? it what is it to be a show about nothing? Because you don't if you're. <laughs> If you don't understand the references, it doesn't matter how good your English is. Right. You don't understand Frasier because it's very sophisticated. You right. don't understand Seinfeld because what's the point? Right. And then I started to get into polit- 
politics and understand, oh, John Stewart, oh, people are laughing. Why are they laughing? What is Fox News? And why? what is the Republican Party? And what's the big deal about Trump's field? Right. And and then you, you you educate yourself, and then it's so interesting. So like the introductory class, like not just English one hundred and one, but like American comedy one hundred and one is oh, friends. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Friends is I, I, yeah, I like but yeah, yeah. I think Friends is comedy one hundred and one. You get it. Slapstick very easy. It's like be, oh, you're not supposed to be kissing that person. You're kissing person, and then the person walks in, and you uh, get yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, and it's like Joey is like, "Are you doing?" And then all yeah, of that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's very accessible, right? But, I bet I could watch. Maybe I could watch. Give me a couple months. Give me a year of the Egyptian friends. Yeah, yeah. and at least I would kind of understand. That's the dumb one. That's the hot one. Yeah, this is the the snarky one. Exactly. But then you're right, Frasier. Frazier, I, I barely got Frazier. I, I, I didn't like Frazier in the beginning. Yeah. And then I watched the 11 seasons twice. Really? It's how how amazed I was with the writing and, and how smart How long was. did it take to understand? Because, I mean, the joke there, it seems, is working on a couple levels. He's high status, that he's smart. Yeah. But the show is also kind of making fun of him. Exactly. With his it's like his that. sophistication. Why, 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 why is it funny to, speak, to, to give this very complex diagnosis of his case and whatever and then the, the interaction of him and his father who's totally down to earth and then those two brothers it was like yeah. very there's uh, a lot it, going on yeah it, it took me a few years and, and but why uh, did you stick with it because you just were like I, I don't know it's just like I, I wanted to get the, do you the, get obsessed are you an obsessive no, person no but you just like not yeah, in a bad way I'm uh, just wondering you get in I, I wanted to understand why was it funny so it's just like you go in and but you that, analyze see, it that's the mind of a comedian though is you're not just going I want to watch this because I feel like I'm or missing it's, out it's the mind of a nerd <laughs> a comedy nerd but i'm the same way i used to analyze seinfeld's routines and stuff mm-hmm. and, and and not graph out but i would do like mathematical kind of yeah. like this joke did this and this joke did this and i'd do the same thing with tv scripts and all that sort of stuff and you start to get a sense of the music of it yeah so you wanted to be doing comedy you- I, no i just want to understand but like but you want it, to when that. i want when i watch john stewart this is where i dreamt of having something like this in egypt but at that time we had. Did that hit you right away? Oh uh, no, no! It's just like ah, I, I. Wa- so here's the thing for international viewer viewers, John Stewart. We would like the, the, he did something called Global Edition, which is like uh, a one a, a, comp- a compilation of like a, of his week, and it was shown on CNN. Okay, that is like in two thousand five. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so, so I started watching this from Egypt on CNN International. Oh, wow. And then when I would come back to America, like many times, I would, uh, and, and actually there's uh, two years that I spent in Boston because I was working in a medical device company for, that was concerned with heart transplantation. Uh, and that was on the wake of the um, election of Obama versus McCain. Okay. And this where uh, I did not watch anything on television other than Jon Stewart. 11, 11, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, I would just like be there watching Jon Stewart yes. for two years. Sorry, Frazier. I've moved on. Yeah, I moved on. <laughs> and this is where I said, it, like, this is... It was oh an attitude. God. I mean, even if you're saying you didn't completely understand what Fox News is. I mean, I remember feeling the same no, way. But by 2007, you have. I got... You did, oh, yeah, 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 yeah I got but it. But it's also his attitude. I mean, I feel like John really... John, like he's yeah. my friend. I feel like John <laughs> really represents something that must have resonated deeply with you, which is 
something that seems very important, which is that sarcasm, which is that yeah. sort of... It's a normal guy making fun of authority, whether it was media authority or political authority. And right. that I found extreme. And of course, he was making fun of George W. Bush, who, as you know, has fucked up the Middle East. So, right. So it's which like, was fun for you guys. Uh, well, which is, yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, get him, John. Get him. Yeah. But speaking truth to power or making fun of that and all that sort of stuff, he says in the movie, like, jokes don't hurl tear gas at people. They're just words. And, yeah. But this is something that you... Your your I don't want to your people. Can I say your people? Your country had been robbed. Oh my of. god, that's so racist. Ah, my people. I what do you mean, my people? <laughs> I didn't say you people. The, the, I said your people. Oh, you mean the, the fa- people? You, you mean the pharaohs? <laughs> <laughs> I've only made one mistake so far, and that was thinking uh, the words you use. I don't even remember the word. something spring. Listen, leave me alone. Uh, so you see, John, it, it lights up your brain. And, and and you're cutting people open. The guy steps down, and you see an opportunity to and do says, something like, in your and laundry like, room. I want to do John Stewart on the internet. Yeah, but I, I, what I'm wondering is, like, why did you think you could do it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Were you... Because, because here's the thing. The stakes were not that high. I said, like, who the hell I am that, like, a lot of people watch. I thought that really 10,000 people would watch. Yeah. And maybe it will be, I will do two shows. I will be, sh- like... Who's encouraging you, though? Your friend? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had Your friends. wife? No, no, no. I have a friend of mine who became a YouTube partner. This, this was a new concept in Egypt. Yeah. That uh, there was no original YouTube videos. And then my friend said, like, listen, you know what? I want to start this, and I want to give platform, and in, and and I just send you a camera, a guy, a camera guy, and a sound guy, and just you do whatever you want. Okay. And it's like, all right, I want to do John Stewart. And said, ah, I don't think John Stewart will work on the internet. So like, I want to do John Stewart. And wow. then he said, like, all right, you know what? It's 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 your funeral. So I started <laughs> it. So ten thousand people. That's what I thought that I would would watch me. But when it comes to like addressing a camera, reading a script, delivering a joke. In life, were you like a funny person? No, were I, you doing I, any public speaking? No, you, no, no, nothing. Never giving I, a talk on heart I, I, transplants. No, I was just like a guy. You're just uh, a guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're just the guy who I, showed up. I am your most regular Joe ever. Yeah, but you're funny. No, yes, you are. You're funny, and it worked. I don't you, know. You but, can't but, just I, grab a guy in Cairo and go. You're going to do the script. You come back 2011. Yeah, and you see me with within my friends. I'm not the funniest person. Yeah, but I'm, that's I'm every I, comedian. That because you're you're studying them and you're going, why I, was that funny? Maybe. Laughed at the straw. Joke. Maybe, but like I, I just like took my chances, and then like uh, I didn't get ten thousand views. I got five million. And what did that feel like? I was like, what? Yeah. What? Were five you? million people watched the, the 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 videos. Why? How? And I know that five million. Doesn't sound now like a big deal. Your dog might have like more than five million. <laughs> yeah. But at that time, 2011, yeah, YouTube, huge. Egypt, that was... Those were MASH numbers. That was like, what? <laughs> MASH numbers. That was YouTube, MASH And numbers. was that exhilarating? Ah, that was like, I didn't know what should I do now because there people were stopping me in the street and wanting to have photos of me. It's like, why? Yeah. And then three weeks in... TV stations started to contact me and said that we would like you to come and do a TV show. And and I remember like May 2nd, I remember that day because at that day I was in the room negotiating my contract. And in that same day, my wife called me and said like, your H-1 visas arrived from Cleveland. Wow. 
<laughs> and I was supposed to take them and be on a plane in two weeks. Yeah. And you look at you, left and right, you're making these sacrifices. You're saying, I want to do the show, right? Yeah. You do the show. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and I mean, did it feel like coming home when you were in your laundry room and you're doing it? Because you did something that was performative. You're cutting people open. You, you, it's a type of performance. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a theater also. It's a theater of types. <laughs> well, there's a the little curtain you put around so everybody doesn't have to see what you're doing. Yeah. You wear a mask. So, That's yeah, so if I mess up, like, and, like where this blood is coming from? <laughs> there have to be a million moments where you're like, oh boy, where's that? Clamp that. But it, then you went from something where you don't really get a lot of recognition. Certainly your patients are very yeah. excited to know your name. But it's very limited. Very limited. You were just the guy that fixed the problem. Now you're doing the thing. It's your face. You're in front of the thing. When you're doing your first episode and you're sitting there, are you like, this is, this is, this is coming home. I, I, this is what I want to do? Not in the beginning. It was just choppy? It's it, it just like, yeah. It just like, it, because the first season was like a very small recorded TV show with no live audience. Right. And it was, it was very confusing what to expect because you record it and then you edit it and then you put it in television. It's not until the year after, after I decided to take this show live with with uh, with uh, with studio audience mm-hmm. that like that you feel popped. it, boom. Then you started. Getting oh, that it's like high. oh, maybe I am good at that yeah. because like I remember it was nerve wracking. The first ever live show, none of us, me, like the the, uh, the and this is something that has never been done in Egypt or the Arab world. Coming, doing comedy on live to tape with a studio audience that are not paid. Yeah. Because usually studio audience are paid and they're, they actually, they stop the camera, like, laugh harder. <laughs> that was what, like, uh, quote unquote, studio audience was in the airport. Right. But Captive to, audience. But we did, we did like lottery tickets. Uh, whoever can come can come and people would come and stay. And, and I remember when I was trying to recruit writers. So a friend of mine, I know that he was funny. I told him, come and send. And so he tried to ask, like, are you doing live audiences? Like, yes. Well, well, what if they didn't laugh? <laughs> and I said, like, well, we have to write better comedy. <laughs> we have to write but better it's jokes. Because you're not getting necessarily fans of the show because the show doesn't really exist. So you're just getting a diverse group. No, 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 no. The, the, the fans already, the, we already had uh, oh, maintaining because, because, because of the internet yeah. and the first uh, season on so you television. Would pull from these people. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just somebody off the street. No, no, no. Because no. the type of political stuff you're doing, I yeah, see yeah. the way. People argue in Egypt. Well, <laughs> at the beginning, it wasn't that. At the beginning, it was everybody liked their show. But then the polarization happened when the Islamists came to power. When the Islamists came to power, I have to make fun of whoever in power. So the Islamists started to hate like my guts. Right. Absolutely hate my this guts. This is when they start calling you an American spy and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, American spy, of course, <laughs> an infidel because they were like Islamists and uh, against Egypt, against Islam, whatever. And that continued for a year. Right. And um, it's good. See, now you're probably salivating looking at George uh, Bush being made fun of. Yeah. And he was associated with uh, Christianity. Yeah. And, but John Stewart wasn't. See, that's something that I saw in the movie. It's like you have a military dictator. You can't even run no, no, against no, 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 no. I know that's later. The military later, yeah. I know that's later. But like whatever the person represents 
it's very sacred. It's like you can't attack them because they are Islam. You can't attack them because, because they're they military. They're the because, military. And, this is the, and this is what authoritarian leaders do, even in what we think is democratic uh, regimes or, uh, or systems. They equate themselves with the ideology. That's right. You're not making fun of me. You're, not making, you're making fun of what I represent. And this is what Morsi or the Muslim Brotherhood did, and this is what Sisi or the military did. And this, so, and this is even now... On a, on, on a different scale in America, if you would go against the war in Iraq, you're not patriotic. Right. You're not American. That's right. How dare you um, um, demoralize our troops? Right. It's like, I'm not demoralizing our troops. I, I don't want them to go get killed in war. Right. But like, if we are at war, you have to be standing. The, and you're, if you're not standing up for the American values. Right. So it, it, becomes, it becomes values, it becomes ideas, it becomes ideologies, it becomes how patriotic, how American, how pro-God you are. Right. You know, so it, 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 it's the same dynamics. Right. And, 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 and so the course, more powerful the man, the more thing he, things he can associate himself with. Of course. It's not Trump, it's as, 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 as a matter of fact, not powerful. It's actually the weaker the man is. Yeah. The more he associates himself with something that's much bigger than him, because right. he's not good enough, he's not powerful enough right. to be his own self. Right, right. They need to wrap himself with something else. Right. But we're not attacking his ideas or his policies or his platforms. We're attacking. Or he's... even if we do, but like we, we, it's fine to attack people's policies or ideas. But it's just like mm, Islam, mm, Christianity, right. God, the military. Once so, you, t- yeah. Yeah, and and of course it's even it is, and I discovered by experience now that like it's in Egypt in the Middle East it's ten times harder to go against the military. Yeah, than Islam. Oh yes, interesting. Because uh, uh, the military because in, it keeps uh, you guys safe, right? Of course. So so first of all, I mean I, I'm not it, just saying that as a blanket thing. It e- seems to actually e- work. It's easier to separate the people from Islam because like, oh he's not representing real Islam. Mm-hmm. But the military, he's wearing a military uniform. How do you separate that? <laughs> and then, and then he even comes. And then, when the military comes, it doesn't mean that they are a, a, a sort of a secular military regime. They are still very conservative, very religious, mm-hmm. and they have their own religious tools to discredit other religious people. So, as a matter of fact, when the military came, the first thing they did, they used their own scholars, their own sheikhs. To discredit the Muslim Brotherhood, saying like those are not Muslims, we are the real Muslims. We are the real guardians to of get Islam. that piece of and, pie too. And uh, yeah, and um, as a matter of fact, the military actually pose as a guardian of religion as much as the other guy. Hmm. Interesting. So, and this is this is this is when, when people say like, what what do what do Americans get wrong, or the, what does the American administration get wrong in the, the Middle East? I tell them, military dictatorship is not a good replacement. Of uh, religious dictatorship. Yeah, it's very they similar. Are, they, they are similar. They are both of them. They, they they use religion as much as the other guy. They 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 create their own radical factions that they keep under control. But when the when the military regimes fall, those people just go out of control. Right. But when we see the the you know your movie starts with uh, protests and stuff and violence in the streets, and then when Sisi comes into power. You see that people are like, we're safe now, we're safe now. Oh, yeah, we're safe. We're, now. We're safe. Oh, we are, we're safe by the, the military because, like, the military can – they are the ones who protected us. They are the right. ones who are, like, standing at the borders and protecting us. But you talk about the, this is fear. They introduce uh, absolutely. fear and then they go, this is the solution to absolutely. fear. Absolutely. You see that a little bit with Trump, too, yes. where he's just like, don't worry, we're going to stop ISIS, yes. we're going to do – and when people oh, are he, acting he, He's salivating for an enemy. 
Yes. He's salivating for an enemy. He's salivating for. Um, I mean, uh, I did this video for now. This a few uh, a couple of weeks ago about like I'm scared. I'm scared for when it happens. It mm. meaning an attack mm. that some someone like me who sounds like me whose name is close to me would do that because the, because Trump is just like going like celebrating every time it happens in England or France. Right. He can barely contain himself. Oh, yes. So it's yeah. like, oh, I wish it happens here. Because, like, when this happens here, oh, he is, he is validated now. He's verified. He can do whatever he, the hell he wants. Right. And then the thing is, like, it's not just me who's going to be affected or people like me. You could be an Indian Sikh, which, by the way, happened before. Three Indian Sikhs were killed because they were thought, right. people thought they were Muslims. Right. And I want to apologize to all of the people who are from the Indian descent because they are being fucked because of us. <laughs> and, uh, you could be an Arab Christian, which, by the way, right. something that exists. 10% of uh, Egypt. Yes, and uh, you could be a Jewish uh, Persian. Right. You know, in, I, I, I live in, 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 in Los Angeles. In Westwood... Like there, it's like it's a Jewish Persian nation, right? Which when you did the ban, you actually affected those people, right? You know, yeah. so so you don't understand. It's a, and it's not just like us, the brown people or the people from a div, from exotic colors and accents are affected. White people will be affected too, because if you are against Trump or the administration and wanted to object to his policies to whatever surge or increase of of military expenditure, like, how dare you? Mm. Stand against us when we are at war. Right. We are under threat. It is the it is the oldest trick in the book. Well, that was nine eleven. I, I remember after nine yeah. eleven, it was like people didn't like George W. Bush, and then switch. Yeah, there was a big switch. Yeah, you can. I mean, it really flopped. Yeah, I mean, even like a comedian like Dennis Miller. Right. Right. He yeah. stopped being funny <laughs> just because he switched and became conservative. Right. Yeah, and it and I remember him like, oh, there's no, it, it is no time to make fun of the president now, which is. Bullshit. It's always time to make fun of authority. <laughs> well, see, you know that better than anybody. It's always, but it's always the fear that, like, prohibits the people of doing that. Right. Well, speaking of that, you, you talk about it's, it's uh, there's a part of the movie that's very dark and sad, and you talk about it being like 9-11 almost every day. You know, you and, and I see you prepping for shows to do your, your tapings where there's bombings and there's death near your building. Oh, yeah. And I'm like... I get nervous if there's a group of drunk bachelorettes at my show and you're going out going, if they bomb us, they bomb us. Yeah. Like there's no way we can't like have more security. How do you, what is the mindset? It's like now you're going from a comedian to like a lion. You're like, I'm not scared and I'm going to go do the show. What, how do you prep for something? like? How do you be funny when you're afraid for your life? Well, when I watched them, by the way, I watched the movie for the first time like everybody else. I did not, I, I was not, I was not giving a sneak peek review uh -huh. of the movie. I watched it, and when it opened in Tribeca, like everybody else, and I didn't know what to expect. And I noticed when I watched these scenes that you're talking about is that I, will, I, I, I almost like was Mr. Jekyll and Dr. Hyde. I had dub, a dub, double personalities. I have like this stressed out person working behind the scenes, and I had this person who, when the lights were on, yeah, I was like, show. Yeah, showbiz. But, but when like, you kick the guys out of your room yeah, for having food, I'm yeah, like, I've done that. Yeah. Because and, and, you're like, I can't be smelling your lunch while we're trying to write a show. But it was not about the food. Yeah. It was like, the. it's just like venting, stressful, stressful, stressful. We were I scared. People coming around my, like putting my theater on the siege, harassing people going in and out. And so here's what we ha how I dealt with it. 
I didn't actually think about me being safe or being in danger at all. I just thought of one thing, to have a good show. Yeah. Because that's my asset. Because, no, because, you, because if I stress, I stress out and I ended up having a bad show, no, but nobody would care about it. Did it give it urgency? Because if I can really lock into the idea that we, you and I could die right now, a plane engine could fall on us, it might make me a little bit better at this podcast. You know yes. what I'm saying? I go, oh, I'm here. I'm really here. And yes. I remember one time I was doing a, I had a stand-up show in Denver. I was with TJ Miller and we were talking about death because he's weird. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> mm. All right. You're a TV man. I love it. Yeah. Hold for sound. <laughs> um, and we're standing out fr- in front of the club, and he goes, Pete, what if I told you you were going to die tonight? What would you do? And I said, I would go do the show. Mm. Like, you just go do the show. So it's nice to have that thing to live for. Yes. And it must have made you funnier. It must have made you more in the yes. moment. Yes. Yes. Because the show's better. B- because, like, if. If the show is canceled, it's canceled. If we get bombed, it's bombed. Right. But if we do the show and it sucks, oh, my God, the Twitter will just tear me apart. Oh, my God, the trolls. I, I mean, I can deal with death. I can deal with being, being blown up. But being trolled on Twitter for having a bad show and being called not funny, uh, how can you live with that? Or worse, you kind of being like, this troll has a point. I wasn't uh, very good exactly, that day. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's even worse. I think Brody's going to come sit next to you. <laughs> oh, my God. Brody, that's a you relax, dog. buddy? There you go. Mm. Now, now he's your dog. Mm. He's your dog now. I, I think that's... Uh, w- you're still going against these people who are saying you're not allowed to go against us. That didn't make you afraid? I mean, you're kind of like Spider-Man. I mean, you're going out. Well, we, we, we had a bet. We had a running bet in the show. When will be the last episode? So we, we, when, when, uh, once the military took over, it was just a matter of not if we're going to be pulled out. When? It's when. Wow. And it's just like, we know. It's like, yeah, we know. It's just like, and then we would write jokes like, ah! This is the joke that's going to end the show. Ah! <laughs> and uh, I, I think somebody, someone eventually won the bet. But, <laughs> but it, it's just like we... Because they do. They blocked the signal. This is under they, blo- they blocked the signal twice. So this is literally like what we're... I mean, I, I can't even imagine how you guys look at us in our panic right now. Mm. But that stuff that we worry about as a nightmare was happening to you. Like yeah. your divisive comedy was being stopped from being put on the air. Mm. The commercials aired. But yeah. your show would yeah. be all scrambled. Yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. And you know how, how the supporters, and this is another thing, how supporters view what happens. So in, 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 in Trump's America, his supporters always like, oh, give him the benefit of the doubt. Oh, it's not him or whatever. Like back there, it's like, oh, oh, Basim did it so he can get more publicity. Really? Seriously. See, this goes back to what we were saying, yeah. the spin of the media. Yeah. You're, you were living, and, and maybe it still is this way, in Egypt. Things happen, like your show is blocked, and it's spun and reported as if it's some sort of conspiracy or that people that are protesting are violent. Not just conspiracy. In black and white, a whole, like, spread in one of TV, of a very common newspaper that is linked to the military, they said that uh, Basim Youssef is being trained by CIA operatives who live in so-and-so apartment in so-and-so... Uh, district in Cairo, mm. and uh, him going to John Stewart is like 
under the recruitment of the CIA. It, it was used by the CIA. So, John, John, so John Stewart was recruited by the CIA in order to recruit me, and now they have two these two CIA officers who overlook my training in Cairo to continue <laughs> my show. And this was written in, in black book. and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's get the record straight. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that's true, the CIA are paying really shitty <laughs> bonuses. Yeah, you should have been flown out here in, in the perfect cla- class, highest class possible. Yeah. So what do you, let, here's an interesting question, I thought. What do you love about Egypt? Because clearly you do love where you're from. It was a bummer for you to have to leave. It's and, my home. Yeah. It's, it's everything. But here's the thing about it. I mean, the, because this is another common question that I get asked now. What do you love about Egypt? No, what do I, do I miss Egypt? Oh, do you miss Egypt? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and uh, sadly, my answer is the Egypt that I miss is not there anymore. Mm. Uh, things are different. My friends are different. The people, it's just like, it's, um, it's someone, it's as, someone, as if someone is defecting from a very oppressive regime, like North Korea. So it's I miss it, but it is not the country that I would like to live or raise my kids in because mm. it's horrible. You know, it's, there's some there, there's good things about Egypt if you live or if you make yourself live in a bubble. If you're from a, so, a certain socioeconomic uh, uh, class and you live in that bubble, mm. yeah, I, I of course. I mean, I was fortunate enough to go to wonderful beaches and do kite surfing. It's, we have the best beaches in the world. Forget about Bahamas. Forget about like Greece. We have the best beaches in the world. We have the best wind in the world if you want to do kite surfing. We have the best mango in the world, which you guys call mango. You, what you have is cucumber because it's horrible. <laughs> you have the America with all its might, with all its military, cannot get <laughs> a, decent a, mango. a decent mango, which is it's just like beyond me. You have like Indian mango, which like, with all due respect with my Indian friends, it cannot even like raise a candle, hold a candle to yeah. our Egyptian candle. It's like, like I mean, come on, you guys have already imported, like you have invaded Iraq and you got all of these palm trees and dates. <laughs> you can do the same with mangoes without invading us. But it's just like, yeah, careful. I, I, I miss that. I miss so, Trump is going to eat one of these mangoes. And so, now, you know. uh, so now I'm, it's basically down to mangoes and beaches. <laughs> So uh, it's just like, uh, I mean, wh- whatever, I don't know if, if I'm fortunate enough or unlucky or whatever, but like in the movie it said that my dad died and I couldn't go back and bury him. Mm-hmm. And uh, a year before, my mom died. Uh, so both of them died within the same year mm-hmm. as I was doing the show. Mm-hmm. And as, um, as devastating as it was, because both of them were just like, they... They were taken away. There was no disease. There was no whatever. My mom slept, died in her sleep. My dad, like, just like going, going to get his a car from the garage, he was knocked by a car. It's just like it was very quick, very wow. sudden. Wow. And as devastating as it is, I feel blessed because all I have about them are memories of strong people. They didn't suffer. They didn't have a long, painful, humiliating death where they lose their identity, their independence, all of that. Mm -hmm. So I feel that they, first of all, they died uh, a quick death, very dignified. I have no other memories but like lovely memories about them. And the second thing is that they died, they didn't have to, because you know parents, like 
worry 10 times about us more than we worry about ourselves. And that increases our anxiety. So now I feel that like now I'm on my own, I take care of myself. I don't have people in Egypt that I care about. The people that I care about in Egypt now is my brother, and that's the only one I will care about, and like he visits occasionally. So now what is left from Egypt are remnants of whatever I used to live in. Mm. And as painful as it is, but it helps me to cope with my situation. Interesting. That that your people aren't really there anymore. Yeah. But are you? It's almost like you're watching Egypt in a slow, kind of painful process. Like these, your these oh, loved it, ones were taken from you quickly, but you're watching. Oh, it is painful. I mean, like it's horrible now. I mean, as we are speaking, uh, Egypt has blocked 107 websites. Hmm. Uh, it, it's it, it is like we just need they they need to close down Google, Facebook, and YouTube, and we'll be exactly like North Korea. Hmm. Uh, it is a very uh, horrible... It's not even a good dictatorship. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's, it <laughs> it's sounds like an oxymoron. But, like, you know, some dictators hmm. are, like, you know, would do something, like, at least to show up for the dictatorship. They actually provide food, mm-hmm. provide good economy, provide security. Even that is not there. Hmm. The economy is going going down in ruins. They are just a go, uh, they are a bunch of um, armed burglars who are ruling the country. They are a bunch of they are a mafia in military uniform. Mm. In the day that, that's obviously so unfortunate mm. in the Egypt that you loved, what? Because I you know I'm mixed about America too and our our lifestyle. We're talking about looking at our phones and we're all just going around and. We're consumers, and we buy shit, and we buy new shit, and we buy new shit, and we buy new shit. Nobody really talks or looks at each other, and we don't. And we just eat like uh, a lot of fast food and watch a lot of movies, and then we go to bed. Uh, what What was it in Egypt that we don't have here? I know. First of all, you guys have a protest game that's crazy. Do you look at us that you're like, if you're so upset, why don't you do something about it? That seems uh, like when you look at and what is happening right now for you. Yeah, like we have a couple marches. Like I've been to a couple no, of protests. And no, I'm like, it's, oh, I'm a good I, I, no, I think it's great because like here's the thing. I mean, because I get this asked this question a lot. People's like, oh, so do you think we're we're just like whining and bitching too much because of like we don't have? I mean. Of course, you can say whatever you want about what's happening with Trump, but he's not as right. here. But like, uh, well, my answer is no, because you guys are used to a certain kind of service. <laughs> we're like the people in the nice hotel. Yes. <laughs> so no, like, no, where's it, my mint? It, it's, it's like someone who has worked all his life, accumulated a certain type of wealth, uh, and then he goes and he, he expects that he gets this kind of service. Mm-hmm. When he gets shitty service and the five stars hotel or five stars restaurant that he goes to, you cannot tell him, oh, be thankful because there are people other way in the world who cannot even get food. Mm. And the accumulation of wealth in this case is what you guys have accumulated in your struggle, although like relatively like short, like 400 years, but like you have actually paid, invested in having the, a, a certain kind of democracy, a certain kind of governance. So when the level of service drops, it's totally your right to to protest. It's not like you know shouldn't be waiting until he start closing websites down. It's like, like oh, so should we protest now? No, you should protest at the slightest right. inconvenience. Right, because you see how far it can slip. Yeah, it right. it, it it is what you have. What this is what you are paying for 
as taxpayers. This is what your history paid for. This is what your parents paid for. So you are. So whenever like uh, a minority or a non or white people or different minorities go like we need to get our voice heard and we will not be. Uh, put down whether it was women in healthcare, whether there was gay people having certain rights stripped away in certain states, whether it was normal people for their uh, rights and of governance, whether there were black people, whatever. No, it is your right. Mm. It is. It's not bitching and whining. Mm. Yeah, we of course we joke about like, oh, how Donald Trump is like a Middle Eastern dictator. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good satires, whatever. But yeah, you should actually go for that. Now in Egypt. Back to your question. Uh, I mean, it is very, it's, a, it's a difficult question to answer. It's like, what do you guys do? Because it's really dif- depending on who you're speaking to. Mm. Is it someone with a lot of money living in a bubble? Or someone who's like very, a very I mean, we, ha- we, are, have, we have a huge split. We have a huge divide between, between rich and poor. Yeah. Right? I mean, the closest I can think of is Mexico City. Mexico, where people are like have mansions and extremely rich, people are extremely poor, and there's a very shrinking middle class. Middle class. This is exactly Egypt. Really? Yeah. That's like us. I mean, that's one of our problems. Not the same. I know it's not the same. I hope we're not heading there. No, I, I, I I, I hope you're not. I mean, the only thing there's two things that worries me about America. As now, I'm, I'm being as a resident. Yeah. Uh, it is the increasing expenditure of military on the military, which re- you you really don't need that. Mm. Seriously, I mean, how many more countries you need to invade? You are already the strongest military power in history of the history of history. aliens. <laughs> yes, all the way back to ancient aliens. Yes, you don't need. I mean, and and the thing is, like all of these, like it, it just it, it just goes to people with special interests and lobbies. Where like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of that can fix all of your health system and your education, and that that's, and the mm-hmm. second thing is mm-hmm. that worries me about America, as an outsider living here now, is that how your democracy is turning or has turned already in an oligarchy. How is like now politics and election is just decided by who has the more money, mm-hmm. which is 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 also very disturbing. Of course, and it's weird that people are kind of like strangely not okay but we can be complacent about it it's like yeah it's like everything gets corrupt and weird and we're just like that's just how it is no because here's the thing you have already have a system in place where you trust the voting system that we're going to put your own senators or representatives in congress and the senate right Mm -hmm. and the thing is certain rules has to be changed for example that i mean again as an outsider i was like why would a senator or a congressman stay more than two terms? Mm. This idea of career politician is really disturbing. Why it, there should be a limit of how much lobbying and how much campaign money should be put in politics. But the thing is, the people who should change these laws are the senators, are the congressmen who will never change these laws. Mm-hmm. So you see, how can you it go around itself, it? Yeah. How, how can you go around this? Mm. It, 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 all of these people in Congress and all of these people in Senate, they could sit on their asses and write the most horrible health care bill ever because they have their own health care that will never be affected. Mm-hmm. 
So in a way, you are already living in a political bubble. <laughs> yep. Right. So you can protest all as much. And this is, this is the divide that is really worrying me. So it's like, all right, so how much? I mean, there's like a couple of years ago, there was like a, a Senate, um, North, was it North Carolina? There was like a Senate race that cost $114 million. Hmm. This is crazy amount of money. And whoever is paying to get that senator in place, this senator is not going to answer for you as a voter. He's going to answer for the lobbyists that paid to get him there. Hmm. It's, it's, it's sad. <laughs> Whenever I have these conversations, I just get sad. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I asked. I asked. Let's talk about Tinder. <laughs> I literally was like, I should ask him if he believes in ghosts. <laughs> Do you believe in ghosts? No. No? No. No ghosts? No. Aliens? No. No aliens? No, 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 no. Here's the thing. I believe there's something out there, but I think we are too insignificant for that for them to come fetch us. Is that right? Yeah, I Do mean, you think they're watching us, just kind of like, oh, that's cute. It's just like, I mean, if there were, are we there? I mean, for, first of all, if there are aliens out there, <laughs> I, 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 I like that you're actually answering this. Question. If, there's, so if, there, if there's aliens out there, they're the one who's gonna find us, not us. Because right. if there are aliens out there, they're either very primitive, some fungus out there, which is like not very interesting. Or very, there are people who are like really high technology who have already figured out that, that we are there and maybe we're not that important. Well, I've, there was a talk, I, I was on NPR, I think it was talking about like s- societies tend to destroy themselves. That's yeah. like one factor. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the go, sending out, like we listen more than we look out. So we listen for signals from our, other planets and yes. other people, yeah. but we don't like go out because. And then, like, does that make sense? Like, let's say every thousand years, it's not what it is. Every thousand years, we tend to wipe ourselves out, like Rome. Yeah. And they're like, that happens before we start looking. So that must be happening out in other planets as well. Yeah. So these alien civilizations are also corrupting themselves and ending before they get in their ships and maybe, find us. Maybe. <laughs> or maybe we are some sort of a petri dish for an alien race. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the Egypt theory, man, is that uh, the Anunnaki came to make a slave race to build the pyramids and all well, that Well, here's stuff. the thing. No, okay. No, 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 no. I have to draw I the line. Egyptian, I like, have to draw the line. This pisses me off. Guys, seriously, the only thing that we can show up for is our pyramids. But now it's either aliens or Jews. We never get credit. Come on, guys. Give us credit for anything. I was just we are like we are we we we, we, we suck at everything else. Give us the pyramids. Yeah. Just we, let this go. But we couldn't do it now. I'm not an alien, alien, ancient alien expert by any means, but the pyramids stuff, they're like, it would be, I think, very, very difficult, if not impossible, to do now. Like, it's a very impressive monument. Well, I think saying. it was, maybe they had magician, like, what's his name, Blaine? What? David Blaine. Uh, David Blaine. <laughs> I, what do people think about Egypt tourism? Like, does everybody just go to see the Sphinx and there's a bunch, well, well, are they missing out on the real Egypt? Well, here's the thing about Egypt. We have, seriously, one-third of archaeology treasures all over the world. In one, in one, one country. One-third. One-third. Wow. Right, we have the most beautiful beaches. We have a weather to die for. Yes. Seriously, better than anything. And because we are, and this is like another example, how resources don't matter at all if you have a corrupt regime. Right. You know, so you, I mean, because like I, when I go to, uh, when I, okay, sorry, go ahead, Brody, you're, you're killing me, pal. Get out of here. Sorry. 
Brody's pulling out cords, folks. Yes. So okay, we're back. So, for example, uh, I like when I go to England or I come to America, and I find this like something that was built 50 years ago and then you have all of this 50 years ago it's just like it's it, it, my my grandmother's house is older than this <laughs> and then you have all of this like and this is I'm not criticizing this as a matter of yeah, yeah. school and then it's just like how you make an experience to to a tourist to come and have fun we we have all of this potential but because it's corrupt, because people don't care, because we are just like ruled by like stupid dictators who don't look ahead of what they're looking under their feet, they're, they're, it's horrible. It's not used. It's, under, it's underutilized. Right. It's, yeah. Like you guys could be like the magical tourist destination. Oh, yeah. We could be everything. We, yeah. could, we could be everything. But it's just like we have our horrible people, horrible management, and corrupt. Yeah. Can I, you know, the thing that I also noticed in the movie is that people tend to be less polite i don't mean mean but when you guys would disagree or argue it's a little bit more passionate a little bit more no it's it's not honest. less it's not it's not less polite we just like two passions like you know like when you know the, not, the stereotypes of, of people like an uh, italian people like walking hands. that's what i mean yes. so, so so we've actually so actually that happened to me once i was like with the egyptian friends and we were on a metro and we were talking and then like people started looking and, and so we had to stop it's like oh we're not fighting yes we're not fighting we just See, that's what I mean. Speaking. It, passionate. <laughs> yeah. When I say polite, I mean, it's almost like it's more sincere. Yeah. You guys don't mask your feelings yeah. as Ooh. much as uh, I feel like my my people. <laughs> yeah, your people. Yeah. You people. We uh, can, you'll agree with somebody just to avoid something like that, where I felt oh, like no. there's more honest discourse. Yeah, we, we, we go and we, we go at it. I think that's great. I mean, do you miss that when you talk to people now that you live here? You're like, why aren't you disagreeing with me? Why, if you don't agree, why did you say okay just so we could stop talking about uh, it? For some, uh, for, uh, yeah, at a certain extent, I do, and then I actually I feel that whenever I go to pitch a project in in Los Angeles. Yeah, there you go. Because like, oh my God, we love it. Right. Thank you. But then you never hear yeah, it from them right, again. Yeah. It's like, come on. It's the only it's city like, where you can die from encouragement. Oh, yes. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. It's like how they reject you to death without you even yeah. like, knowing. You'll never know. You never know. You'll never get the call. Yeah. I know, uh, I'm not wrapping up, but I want to get to this before, because I know you have a flight. Let's talk about... It's, oh, it's been an hour. My God, you're so interesting, man. Oh, I, I'm not used to guests that can just talk and about something that I obviously know so little about. So, again, it's wonderful to hear Thank from you. Thank you so much. But let's talk about God a little bit. How, how long do you have? Half hour? Uh, 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Let's mm-hmm. talk about God for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> do you think God will approve? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were um, Christian or Muslim because your name could kind of go either I, I, way. I, I am Muslim. You're yeah. Muslim. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and you're a practicing Muslim? <laughs> this is not a trap. I'm here to celebrate and love. Well, let's say that <laughs> I consider myself a Muslim, uh, a, a, a cultural Muslim. A cultural Muslim. Yes. I so, so it doesn't matter. It's your identity. It's, it's my identity. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, a, a, a culture Jew or a culture exactly. Christian. Yeah? And, and the thing is, it's... Um, I, uh, the reason why I, I avoid speaking about that is this is what I'm struggling with in, in Egypt, in the Arab world, in the Muslim world. How people want to identify what you are. Mm. So, and this is something, again, and this is like, I, I give the same response when people 
uh, ask me, uh, what are you, are you Muslim? Do you pray? Do you pray five times a day? Do you, do you fast? Do you whatever? And I refuse to answer that, not because I do it or don't. Well, this is Kierkegaard. He says to, to label me is to limit me or something. Yeah, yeah, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I want to know where can I put you in my brain? Exactly. So uh, I can then think of you as a, st- but, but, not but, a stereotype, but, but a group. And, but, 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 oh, but, yeah. and, and this is the thing. That, like, I, and and, and, I, and I, my answer is like, does it matter? And does it matter goes to if an American is asking me or a Muslim is asking me. Mm. Because if a Muslim is asking me, he's asking me, am I... Am, could I be trusted because am I a man of God or not? Mm. And then Mike, and this is maybe the biggest problem in the Middle East and, and Arab world. Secularism have a very bad name there. Secularism is actually synonymous with being an infidel. <laughs> and this is a big problem that we're facing there. And it's like, why do you care? Why do you care if the guy in front of you is a Muslim, a Sunni, a Shia, a Christian, an atheist? And from what an atheist? What? What do you mean? It's just like they don't can cannot like conceive right. that they can actually, although they are using products in everyday life, whether electronics or websites that are not made by Muslims. So they, they, this this kind of hypocrisy. So they're benefiting from a secular world. Yeah, they they go and they have this. A pride of how they show. But how their- could you fly in a plane that was made by someone who doesn't think Muhammad's the prophet? Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> right? well, yeah, yeah. You see, you see, this is this is this is the idea. It's like, yeah. why why does it care? I mean, there's a, at this certain point, Arabs and Muslims done amazing discoveries, and people who are not Muslim use these discoveries. Mm. Science does not have limits, mm-hmm. and and then I I tell them. So you have this pride of showing your Quran and showing your faith in Europe, and when somebody like steps on your on your toes and like. You know, limiting your hijab or niqab, you just like go cry and whine. But you're not looking at what you're doing inside mm. to other minorities. And and when I see when I speak to Americans and I say like, well, does it matter? Let's say for example, I tell you, hey, you know what? I'm a Muslim, but I'm, I don't really believe. I'm an atheist. Do you think if it, God forbid, uh, a, a terrorist attack happens tomorrow, that I will not be profiled because of my name, because right. of my accent? Right. So it doesn't matter. It right. doesn't matter. You have to wear a shirt. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if I go and because like the, one of the most like horrible questions I'm being asked like, why don't you people denounce terrorism? It's like seriously, it's not like. I mean, I don't have to wake up every morning to denounce something that I don't even right. consider myself part of. Right. And 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 they and there are huge. Uh, gatherings where people denounce ISIS, I, I, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't exactly matter. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like it, it, it's stupid. And and this is this is what really drives me crazy in the Western world. Because in the Western world, especially in America, you have such an emphasis about individuality, hmm. how everybody is his own self, and how we individuals, and and this how its individuality is sacred, almost sacred. But when but that applies to people, but other people, it doesn't apply. Because for a certain amount of people, when somebody – we're not individual anymore. Right, right. We're, we're a group. And then that drives them – Which wh- is it? Why do you care? Are we all fiercely independent yeah. or, or are we allowed to say the group? Exactly. Why do you care if I pray or fast Ramadan or, or, like, or I'm practicing or not? You right. see, that's, that's the idea. And this is why I refused to ask this question – Based on that, right. not, not not to troll. You. I know I didn't. I don't feel trolled at all. Mm-hmm. What you might not understand, uh, or because the podcast, it's not when I ask if you're a Muslim, I want to know if you think there's something behind existence. I'm looking for the way that you frame reality. Uh-huh. Me sitting here, you sitting there, not a book, not a prayer schedule, and not a month where you're not eating until sundown. Mm. Do you think there's something? 
afoot? Is there something we don't understand? Einstein talks about we're like children in a library with the books, and there's all these volumes of books, and we don't know how the books were written, and they're in these languages we don't understand. But something wrote the books. Did something write the books? So if we if, <laughs> if we if we removed ourselves from our own convictions, so let's say for example, I am not a Muslim. Let's yes. say for example, you're not we're Christian, the, Jew, whatever. Yeah. We're just like two souls speaking about yes. that. And 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 this is the question that. Um, um, kind of like uh, haunts me. So if someone wrote the books, who is this someone? And if this someone wrote the book, does he or she cares about us? Yes. And if he or she cares about us, why are we living in such a deep hole of shit? Yes. And uh, what is happening? Uh, what does he care about uh, some and not others? So it's 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 not just like it's not just like someone who wrote the book. It's, did he write the, the write the book and leave? Yeah, wind the watch and walk away. Yeah, so it, it it's just like it's much more about like the books. And all right, so if this if, if this is something beyond the existence, what happens to the people who like their existence expire? Do we get judged? And how can we get judged? Well, what what is the rule of being get judged? Right. Which rules? Which book? And 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 and. And so do, do do we get judged? But does he get judged? Because all of the stuff that was happening in the world, because of like all of those, I mean, when you think about those, all of those poor souls who were, uh, I don't know, raped, killed, maimed for no fault of their own, who right. who gives? So them you're a, asking who judges the judger? Yeah. It yeah just, so it is. So it is. It is much more than like who wrote the book or who created. And it's like, like what hap- well, what happens? After? What do you think happens when you die? I don't know. Do you, what's your gut say? Right, well, right well, now. <laughs> well, well, it's uh, according to the Islamic faith. We we uh, we judge if you're good or bad, and if you go to heaven or hell. Hmm. Very simple, right? You know, it, that's that's the that's the thing, and 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 uh, and, and the thing is like the, one of the questions is like if this like the, the amazing creator who like who built everything. And the universe is just like a spectacle, right? Mm-hmm. It's something that, like, oh my God, that's amazing, right? Of course. Do you? And then you think, like, is God that much of a small-minded being that, he that wants cares to... about, like, who is fornicating, who's drinking, who's not, who is right. doing? It's just like, well, yeah, th- th- this is something like. Bassam was looking at pornography. I have to burn him forever. Yeah, that doesn't sit with you. Yeah, I, I, I think I think it, the, a, a superior being would be much more. Well, they say uh, it's a Jewish thing. It's an all-knowing God is an all-forgiving God. Because yeah. how how could they not understand the circumstances? But if he's all-forgiving God, what of all the atrocities that happen? On, on well, that's the, see. Now we kind of get into like Hinduism and stuff, where it's like the suffering has a purpose. Reincarnation. We're grinding something out. But, but yeah, but purpose for who? I mean, I mean, how can we? If you go to a like a mass genocide and a mass rape, how can you say, "Oh, I'm sorry if that happened to you," but that? Well, then, okay, so that's a good question. Who, right? Is there just one of us? That's the question. Is there one consciousness, and we're all just kind of you're you're wearing those clothes, I'm wearing these clothes, and it's not like that's good for you, and and I'm glad I'm not that. Is it just one thing working itself out in some fucked up? And also some glorious ways. Yeah, no, but like it doesn't make sense. This, this is like a very. I mean, we we here are sitting in in Brooklyn, having the luxury of saying like, oh, maybe it's like a multiple conscious, whatever. Right. How can you explain this 
for someone who's born with a genetic defect or some a little kid with cancer. Right. It's just like we are we are just like we have try, we're trying to philosophize all we of have, this. We're naval but there are people there who are totally fucked. Right. And have been fucked. And it's not just like right now, it's all cr- across history. There have been massacres and people like maimed and raped and taken away from the children. How do you explain oh it's just like it's it's just like multiple consciousness and just suffering or whatever. <laughs> it it doesn't. It, and 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 and, and well, I don't know. I, I don't think you would say that to those suffering people. I yeah. think it's 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 the levels of consciousness. And if you don't have safety and you don't have food and you don't have health and you don't have protection from rapists and murderers and genocide and all that stuff, we, you never even get there. We do have the luxury of staring at our own navels. Yes. And it is a little grotesque and a little, it is a little obnoxious. But from this privileged, air-conditioned place, it, you you can't find a way to think of Alan Watts talks about we want a game where there's winning but no losing, but that doesn't exist. Like, we can't have that. There has to be this ugliness mixed inside of all of the rest. Well, well, maybe now, actually, it makes much more sense to say maybe if everything is random. Hmm. Maybe think it's totally random. Mm-hmm. You are lucky because you're lucky. You're fucked because you're fucked. And maybe, actually, that makes more sense. Because you're trying to find, and and I know that this like sounds very nihilistic, but like, what if this is all random? And uh, because look at the history of the world, horrible people got away with so much shit, mm-hmm. and good people got fucked up. Mm-hmm. And it is like look at the jungle. You look, oh, you know what? The the, the cheetah eats the deer. Um, you know, maybe it's their children. Drought comes, whole species wiped up, got forgotten. When they die, they don't even question what happens. It just happens. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow we could be hit by a meteorite, mm-hmm. right? And the whole this whole planet could exist, and not even the closest solar <laughs> system will notice. I thought the politics was bumming me out. <laughs> no, no, no. But, 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 but all right. So, so, no, you're right. So here's the here, here's the possibility. Here's the thing. Maybe we are just creating all of this, all of this, like conscious talk, philosophy, you know, upper thing, just to feel that we are important. Maybe we're not. I mean, maybe we just like, we, all of this, all of the stuff like talking about that second conscious, that suffering, a reason, whatever, and profs, whatever, all of this is just because we want to tell ourselves that we actually matter to the universe. Mm. And maybe we just don't fucking matter. And, but that's- it's like, it's like, Two grains of sand in a remote beach talking about like how important they are to this planet <laughs> and how the planet have a plan for them and how maybe on a certain level of consciousness these gra- grain of sands will be judged or be uh, validated or vindicated. <laughs> this is we, what we are. We are nothing. <laughs> and yet you're smiling. Yes, it's just like I, I mean, the, the, because the, the whole of the creation. That's like, it's just like I think like when when people like in the beginning of 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 creation and people saw like their loved ones die, they wanted to make sense of it. Mm. And this is why the biggest monuments were made for death. Mm-hmm. The pyramids, as you know, mm-hmm. are huge tombs. Mm-hmm. And it's too much to bear. It's psychologically yeah. necessary for us to go, it's not, I'm not just a grain of sand talking about how the planet loves me. I have to believe that because it's too depressing to consider the alternative. Yes, or, or yeah, because some people say, oh my God, so why is this all for? Mm-hmm. Right. It's interesting though. It's, it's not what I go back to when I hear, have conversations like this. It's not 
what our brains think, this is something our brains think, it's that our brains can think. I go back to the phenomena of, con- of consciousness, of anything being, and that being a miracle. Something, you being a part of it. Yeah, but like you have to understand, like the, just the fact that you don't understand how it works or how it came to be, it doesn't mean that you create something to make sense out of it. So, yeah, it, it's, yeah. so, so it's like at a certain point of history, people worshipped fire mm-hmm. because they didn't understand what fire was. And then when it got figured out, they stopped worshipping fire. People worshipped the sun because they didn't understand what sun was. And then when they understood what sun was, they stopped. So not understanding something doesn't mean that you have to worship. <laughs> I'm going to stop worshiping yes. the history of, the, of time. <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, you came to play, man. I appreciate it. We, are, are you good on time? Let's, should we get you out of here? Yeah. Let's ask you the one final question because yes. that did get a little existential. It's a quick one. Can you remember the time you laugh the hardest in your life? Uh or a very hard laugh that you had recently. You could be a child. It could be something you watched. It could be something you did on your show. Mm. All right. I want to tell you like a, a very, very generic thing. Like, oh, my daughter makes me laugh or whatever like that. She does make me laugh. She's very funny. She's five. But uh, <laughs> it's a good age. I have to say, like, I watched this cartoon. This movie, Sausage Party. (laughs) (laughs) And I found it hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) A little plug for Sausage Party at the end. Yes. Good for you. Well, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you being here. We always have the guest at the end of the show. You feel good? I I feel amazing. Okay, good. We always have the guest say the catchphrase, which is keep it crispy. It's how we sign off. Would you please honor us with a keep it crispy? Keep it crispy. Oh, no, 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 wait, wait. I will say it in an Arabic accent. Keep it crispy. <laughs> Can you say it in Arabic? I bet it's going to translate I, I, I don't know how it translates keep it crispy. You have to say uh, like... Khaliha uh, And what does that mean? It's like makes it like crispy as crispy as like, you know, something that crisp. Like it's fried. Like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's like... Like, uh, when something is crispy, is like it, it tastes crispy. Uh, so it's it's basically when you say "khaliha tiarmish" is what you say when like when you advertise for like um, um, uh, potato chips. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for doing okay. the potato chip podcast. It's an honor. You're doing the real work. I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Of sir. course. Thank you. Now leaving Nerdist.com.